0: Tatooine is sparsely populated. If the trace was correct, I will find them quickly, Master.
1: Move against the Jedi first. You will then have no difficulty in taking the Queen to Naboo to sign the treaty.
0: At last, we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last, we will have revenge. You have been well trained, my young apprentice. They will be no match for you.
1: A little over a year ago, I inadvertently began a Darth Maul prototype run. As collectors, we often have certain areas of focus, like characters or toy lines we like and hunt, and then others seem to find their way into our collections. I had picked up an Episode One Darth Maul first shot prototype in 2016, simply because I liked the character and the price was too good to pass up. But I had no intention on adding any other Maul examples to my collection. I was happy owning this one piece. And while one prototype is a nice addition, acquiring two of the same character often leads to a character-centric focus for the future. That's how a run begins. It's happened to all of us over the years. In fact, I stumbled into a carded vintage Han Solo run a few years back after accumulating a number of them at some of the local toy shows and through some fantastic eBay scores. And that same luck led to a pretty extensive clear-bubble-carded Return of the Jedi collection, with all but one of them costing $100 or less. And so, shortly after Celebration Chicago, I found myself with more Darth Maul pre-production pieces than I had ever expected to own. I purchased a near-complete first shot in gray and peach colors from one of the vendors at the convention, along with some hard-copy pieces and additional first-shot parts. And when I came home from Celebration, someone offered me a hard-copy set of the Power of the Jedi Darth Maul Darth Vader 2-pack. Later in the season, I was offered a break-apart Final Duel Darth Maul hard-copy also from the Power of the Jedi line, and I picked up a few other special pieces since then. But the one that may be the most unique of my run is not a three-dimensional figure. Instead, it is a series of flat images and text descriptions in rectangular shapes of various sizes mounted on a black foam display board. The board is also a rectangle measuring 16 inches high and 20 inches wide. In the top left corner sits a printed logo for the Star Wars Episode I figure line. Below it is a 10-inch photo of the actor Ray Park dressed as Darth Maul wearing a hooded cloak and brandishing his iconic double-bladed lightsaber. A close-up photo of the saber hilt and of Maul's two hands holding it is to the right of it, and the image is framed by a very narrow, slivered white border. Under the two photos is a caption, black bold letters on a white strip of paper that says, Darth Maul, Sith Lord. On the second half of the board, on the right side, is a larger photo of Ray Park as Maul, with his cloak off, and he is lunging at the camera with his right foot. Both sides of his saber are ignited, and as he grips the hilt with both hands, he grimaces menacingly, as if about to strike what is in front of him. The background of the photo is the faintest lavender color, and is only noticeable when compared to the white borders around the edges. However, that photo was covering up a black-and-white conceptual sketch of a cloaked Darth Maul in an action pose. Although I cannot tell whether the concept art is hand-drawn or a photocopy, both lightsaber blades have been colored in by hand and are a glowing mix of orange with touches of red and yellow for effect. In the top right of the image, there are bolded notes that read, Figure will be clothed in soft goods tunic and pants, and Figure will not include cloak, with emphasis on the word not. In the bottom left corner, another series of bolded points specify the upcoming figure's 14 articulation points. When combined onto a foam display board, these images and the accompanying text became the first visual representation of Hasbro's pitch to create a 12-inch version of the famed prequel villain. Some of these boards were saved by Kenner employees during work on the Star Wars line, and later by those at Hasbro responsible for ushering in a new era of Star Wars toys at the turn of the century. This is a look at the role presentation boards have played at Kenner and Hasbro, and how they played a crucial part in the pre-production process of the toys and figures we collect. This is the third episode in the Collecting Prototypes series. And this is Star Wars Prototypes and Production.
0: Star systems will slip through your fingers. I want to learn the ways of the Force and become a Jedi like my father. The Force will be with you
1: always. In many ways, the presentation board was the first tangible example of an idea, a character, or a concept. It was a platform for toy designers to share their vision with other creatives. It was a visual suggestion, a plan, or a direction and each one would either be approved or rejected, or transformed into another idea at a later point. A presentation board contains some of the earliest concept work in the path to production for a toy. Often it would not show an example of what the toy would look like, but rather one upon which the toy would be based. Sometimes a concept image would be enough for the decision makers at both Kenner and Lucasfilm. Other times, it would take a presentation board with a fuller layout of the figure, vehicle, or playset in toy form to persuade them to approve it and to allow it to enter into the next phase of design. But ideas lived and died by those presentation boards. And many of the toys we have today started with a simple conceptual image. Sadly, few examples from the original vintage line have made it into the hands of Star Wars collectors. For the most part, the boards were discarded or reused after presentations. After all, the purpose was to support a pitch, and once that pitch was either accepted or rejected, the presentation board's role in the process concluded. It may have been used afterwards as a point of reference or even for inspiration, and many were photographed for Kenner's archives or to repurpose for a future presentation. As we explore the years in which Kenner worked on and released Star Wars toys from the original trilogy and beyond, I wanted to highlight an example of a surviving presentation board from each era. You can find images of these, as well as the insightful and fascinating original descriptions written by collectors like Ron Salvatore and Gus Lopez on the Star Wars Collectors Archive. To check out these amazing entries and more, please visit the SWCA.com. Let's take a look at a few of the special Star Wars presentation boards, some whose concepts landed at retail stores, and others that never made it beyond the initial pitch. Good against remotes is one thing. Good against the living, it's something else. Star Wars. Some of the earliest surviving examples of Kenner presentation boards are ones used to pitch the 12-inch large-size action figures for the first Star Wars film. Four of the boards were salvaged, and proper images and descriptions can be found on the website the Star Wars Collector's Archive. The most notable of the four is the one for Boba Fett. The image is an ink and watercolor drawing of the bounty hunter in all white, contrasted against a black illustration board, and he is standing in front of a thin white rectangular outline of a large square that takes up three quarters of the board. It is a minimalist but nonetheless striking design that instantly spotlights the character. Boba Fett glances to his left, and his posture conveys a sense of control and mystery. He stands with his left foot pointing at the viewer, and his left hand slightly raised. His right foot is turned out toward the bottom left corner of the board, and his right arm, the one with the dark gauntlet connected to his wrist, hangs rigidly from its shoulder. There are enough of the visual elements that make this image recognizable as Boba Fett, but the character was still in the earliest phases of design at this point, which is why his entire costume is white. And as Ron Salvatore noted in his entry of the presentation board, one of the most interesting details was the date that was written in the bottom right corner. The board was created on April 12, 1978, less than a year after Star Wars premiered. It should be noted that this image has immense historical relevance, as it may be the earliest example of Boba Fett as a toy concept. The three other presentation boards discovered from this time period were for the 12-inch Han Solo, C-3PO, and Darth Vader action figures. Like the Boba Fett concept art, none of the presentation artwork pieces resemble the plastic figures that Kenner would eventually produce. Rather, they are images that capture the essence of each character, creative fuel to be used as the approved concepts enter into the 3D sculpting phase. What is thy bidding, my master? There is a great disturbance in the Force. I have felt it. We have a new enemy the young rebel who destroyed the Death Star. I have no doubt this boy is the offspring of Anakin Skywalker. The Empire Strikes Back. One of the more interesting presentation boards that survived from the Empire Strikes Back era was for a proposed update to the Droid Factory playset. The original Droid Factory was first released in 1979 and was brought back a year later in a new box bearing the Empire Strikes Back logo. But the presentation board illustrates what could have been in the form of a mechanical upgrade. The designers at Kenner toyed with the idea of supplying the set with wind-up motors that would give life to the droids that children could build from the included parts. The playset would not only be a PlayStation, but would serve as a way to house all of the loose droid pieces as well. From the image on the yellow presentation board, we see the familiar Empire Strikes Back logo pasted along a horizontal black strip. Underneath it is an image of the playset. The factory is a white, flat, circular hub with four similar small circles jutting out from it, as extended feet of the base. Between some of the feet are various ramps, which presumably would be used by the droids to enter and exit the factory. And in the center of the main hub was what appears to be a large, blue, screw-like cylinder holding the hub open. A turret-shaped top was mounted on the end of the blue cylinder, and from it hung a darker blue hook which could lift or position one of the completed droids. At the bottom of the presentation board and appearing in front of the playset were images of four droids standing together. R2-D2 is instantly recognizable at the center of the group. And to his right is one that resembles medical droid FX-7, but with a long blue claw in place of spider-like white arms. Flanking those two are two white boxy droids that look more like mini-Transformer figures than Star Wars characters. And the text below them reads, Mechanized Droid Factory. While Kenner scrapped the new version and eventually settled on re-releasing the Droid Factory in its original state due to the cost of adding mechanized parts, this presentation board gives us rare insight, not only into the creativity and ingenuity of the Kenner designers, but at the Star Wars toys that would forever exist as pitches and unrealized ideas. I'm looking forward to completing your training. In time, you will call me master. You're gravely mistaken. You won't convert me as you did my father. Oh, no, my young Jedi. You will find that it is you who are mistaken. About a great many things. Return of the Jedi During the run of the Return of the Jedi line in 1983, Kenner designers looked for ways to repurpose previously developed toys into new and exciting sets. One idea was a Jedi Knight training set containing the battery-operated Han Solo DL-44 laser pistol. The image mounted on the presentation board contained the Return of the Jedi logo in the upper left corner, along with the Jedi Knight training set title in large white capital letters. The presentation board was mocked up to simulate how the front of the box would appear, essentially as a black border with a file folder-shaped window in the center. Against a white background, an appetizing array of accessories adorned the interior of the box with a laser pistol in the upper left corner. Below it was a pair of macro binoculars. In the center of the image was a brown belt with a silver buckle with the word Jedi printed on it. The set would also come with a scroll-like Jedi map. A tan map case and lightsaber clip would be two accessories that would connect to the belt, along with a larger brown holster for the blaster. On its presentation board, the mocked-up set made for an impressive display, and likely would have been a hit with children who wanted to emulate their hero, Luke Skywalker, and join the ranks of the Jedi. The training set never progressed beyond the concept stage, but the presentation board is a wonderful reminder of the creativity during the Jedi years. I'll never turn to the dark side. You failed, Your Highness. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. The Power of the Force After Return of the Jedi's run in movie theaters around the world, Kenner decided to create a figure line that would include characters from all three films in the Star Wars trilogy. Known as The Power of the Force, it ran from 1984 to 1985 and included fan-desired favorites like Luke Stormtrooper and Han and Carbonite and vehicles like the Tatooine Skiff and the Ewok Battle Wagon. LPK, the design company Kenner employed to create the Star Wars toy packaging, was again tasked with coming up with a fresh design for the new line. LPK presented a vast series of logos from which Kenner would select one for the cardback. The first iteration of logos read Star Wars, The Force Forever, and some even used some iconic Star Wars elements, like the silver racetrack design found on earlier Kenner cardbacks. The presentation boards that were discovered by Gus Lopez and Chris Jorgulius were a mix of airbrushed, painted, and hand-drawn images, and they were mounted on foam core boards. Each offering was an image on a black background, which was then glued to a foam board that was gridded to help with measurements, similar to the look of graph paper. One of the images had the logo in the 1980s specific two-toned metallic design, similar to the Transformers logo, but it was done in the style of the title crawl seen at the beginning of each Star Wars film. Another had the words Star Wars in a skinny, raised metallic look, with the words The Force Forever in a thin red font, surrounded by an equally thin octagonal border. Kenner quickly replaced The Force Forever with Power of the Force, and LPK submitted a new line of presentation boards for consideration. With the change, a noticeable addition appeared on many of the suggested designs, Luke Skywalker's green lightsaber. The chosen design kept the franchise's title placement similar to Return of the Jedi, in which the words Star Wars were next to each other on the same line on the upper portion of the card, but also managed to keep the silver racetrack element that was instantly recognizable as Star Wars. The racetrack began above the Star Wars logo and curved upward between the two words, outlining the green of Luke's saber. The 1985-1986 Line Extension In 1985, Kenner's designers prepared to continue the Star Wars line by creating a new story that took place after Return of the Jedi. The villain pitched was named Atha Prime, the original architect of the Clone Wars who would return with an evil clone army, ready to take over the galaxy where the Empire had failed. The concept art and presentation boards for the proposed line were striking, and as Ron Salvatore noted in his entries for the art, the creatives at Kenner really understood George Lucas's vision for Star Wars. Their work on this imaginative continuation of the saga surely reflected that. And the line brought back many of the characters from the trilogy. In an image mounted on a presentation board, our hero Luke Skywalker is dressed in a gold armor that extended around his arms, showing a light blue shirt underneath. Luke was also clad in beige pants and gold boots, and carried a new red-bladed saber in his gloved hand. The concept board for Han Solo showed a new take on the former smuggler, from the waist up. Dressed in a puffy-sleeved yellow shirt with a white chest plate and a red cummerbund, this version of Han was given a medal round his neck, and he resembled an Olympic figure skater brandishing a blaster. It was a garish design, but the look helped emphasize the fact that he earned his place among the leaders in the rebellion. In addition to continuing the saga, Kenner planned on releasing vehicles from the film that were never produced in toy form. One of the major ones would have been a Rebel Blockade Runner, the ship that we see in the opening shot of Star Wars, trying to outrun a Star Destroyer. The presentation board for the Blockade Runner is one of my favorite presentation boards. The image contains the ship at two different angles. The top image shows a top view of the vessel, and the one underneath it is a side view. It's interesting to note that the designers had pitched the blockade runner to come with the escape pod that C-3PO and R2-D2 used to jettison away from Darth Vader and his stormtroopers in A New Hope. The pod is shaped like a fattened soda can and hangs from below the center of the ship. The presentation board is unique in that both views of the ship were not two-dimensional drawings as you'd expect to see on this media, but are three-dimensional models that were glued onto the boards. They also contain several moving parts to demonstrate some of the toyetic features of the blockade runner, like rotating laser cannons and working landing gear. It is one of the few boards from the 1985 line extension presentation to contain the Return of the Jedi logo, which is really striking as it's one of the only examples I can think of where the logo doesn't appear over a black background. Instead, the red Return of the Jedi is against the white background of the image and is framed inside the Star Wars racetrack logo, also in white and outlined in thin black lines. It's notable that the blockade runner was considered for the Return of the Jedi line in addition to the 1985 line extension, but never made it into production. In 1985, Kenner canceled its long-running Star Wars toy line. After the trilogy ended, the hype for the franchise dwindled, and children shifted their interests toward more action-based lines like Transformers, G.I. Joe, and Mask. But the line wasn't dead. It was more like it was frozen in carbonite, dormant for a decade until Hasbro, the toy company that purchased Kenner's parent company Tonka in 1991, decided to revive it. The Timothy Zahn-Penn trilogy of novels in the early 1990s ignited both a nostalgia and an excitement for Star Wars. And Steve Sansweet's book, Star Wars, from concept to screen to collectible, helped to turn those who played with toys in the 1980s into collectors. And so, Hasbro's timing was perfect. With rumors of George Lucas crafting a prequel trilogy, and with the upcoming releases of the special editions in theaters for the 20th anniversary of the first Star Wars film, fans old and new were about to experience a new line of Star Wars toys. Titled Power of the Force, and known to collectors today as the Power of the Force II, the first wave appeared in stores in the summer of 1995. Hasbro released nine figures, Luke, Han, Chewbacca, Darth Vader, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Stormtrooper, Princess Leia, R2-D2, and C-3PO. And this was only the beginning. Between 1995 and Christmas of 1997, Hasbro introduced more than 100 figures into its new line, kicking off one of the most immersive and comprehensive toy franchises ever created and Power of the Force 2 was instrumental in reuniting Star Wars fans with the toys they loved, as well as ushering in a new generation of Star Wars collectors. As we've learned, all toys begin with a pitch. And while many for the original Kenner Star Wars line were lost, it seems like the majority of the presentation boards for Hasbro's Power of the Force line were salvaged, and have been preserved by modern collectors and one of these modern collectors is my dear friend Anthony Pagano. Anthony has one of the most in-depth collections of the early Power of the Force II pre-production pieces, including a treasure trove of presentation boards. So join me for a conversation with Anthony as we discuss pitches for the line, a look at some of the Episode One and Power of the Jedi boards, and why presentation boards seem to disappear shortly after we entered the new millennium.
0: The Star Wars Power of the Force Collection. Darth Vader leads an evil empire towards universal domination. Join a brave rebellion with Luke Skywalker, Han Solo and Chewbacca, and Jedi Obi-Wan Kenobi. Can you stop the Empire? Star Wars Power of the Force
1: Collection from Kenner. Anthony, how are you doing? Doing well? How's it going today? Uh, it's going pretty well, pretty well. I'm glad we we got a chance to do this. Uh, I've been excited to talk to you about the presentation boards for a long time. And um, going through my own research, uh, I just I can't believe what what's out there. Uh, the ones that you've found and, and have recovered, and um, just the ones that survived overall. Yeah, there's some really great stuff out there. Yeah. Yeah, so I figure we'll we'll kind of go in chronological order uh starting with the the beginning with with Hasbro's pitch. Um when did this pitch happen?
0: So it seems to be around the uh the, the 94 time frame. I would say probably in uh, in uh July or
1: uh, or possibly even early August of 94. Okay. And this was really important, you know, because Hasbro Hasbro was pitching the line, but um maybe if you can explain a little bit of the history behind that. Sure. So yeah, there were there were multiple companies
0: that were trying to get the the license to create these Star Wars toys back then. And uh this was Hasbro's pitch to to uh get that license and and be the uh you know, the the toy company that that makes the star Wars action figures again. So Mm -hmm.
1: So is it safe to say that they started working on it a a long time before that leading up to it?
0: Uh, Yeah, I would, I would definitely say so. I would say they, they probably started around the, uh, the 93 timeframe with their ideas. Mm -hmm. So, and then uh, got ready for the, the pitch in
1: 1994. Okay, great. Um, so this is from an interview that Robert Musco did with a, uh, an, an unnamed Hasbro employee on the website Behind the Toys. Uh, and he said, some of the items that Hasbro created to win the master license for Star Wars consisted of creatures, spacecraft, and Jedi Knights. We designed many pre-production designs for Star Wars in drawings and renderings, as well as models and sculpting. Uh, Each of our designs were original original creations, vivid and full of emotional content. Each concept had its own bio in hopes of appearing in any of the films. Some of the designs were created with a direct link to the story without lots of connections with actual toy design. Our main focus was to show Lucasfilm that we could assist them in their pre-production as well. So I think that's interesting because um, it, it shows that Hasbro was not only really serious about making uh, the, the toys for the Star Wars line, but also that they they had really wanted to attach themselves to Lucasfilm and and had wanted to work side by side with uh, the the designers and the storytellers as well uh, to create this kind of you know cohesive uh, universe you know between the stories and and the, and the action figures. Yes, definitely. Hmm. Actually, can you can you describe for us? what a basic Hasbro presentation board would look like around that time.
0: All the presentation boards were pretty much designed the, uh, the same for these initial pitches. Um, they were all on a, a, a black uh, heavy cardstock, almost like cardboard, uh, real, real thick cardstock, And they had a, uh, a white uh, overspray on them, uh, some kind of a white paint that kind of made it look like stars against that uh, black background. And then they would put a, a uh another background uh laid over on top of that glued to the the board with a uh another the uh the character that they were gonna be pitching uh the art image for that uh would be glued onto that uh onto the board there and then they would take a the the logo that they were gonna use and uh, glued it onto the 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 top of the board as well so they uh, actually had several different logos uh, that they used. Uh, the original one was uh, before they came out with Power of the Force. Uh, they were originally going to call it the Trilogy Edition, so those are the uh, seem to be the first logos that, uh, that show up. The original logo has uh,
1: Star Wars the Trilogy Edition on it. And that's how they were pitching the line to Lucasfilm, as the Trilogy Edition. Yeah, it's okay. uh, got the Star
0: Wars logo in in the uh, the iconic silver, and then below it it says in
1: orange, "The Trilogy Edition." Okay, wow. Um, and then what came after that? So after that, uh, it
0: seems like they they started using uh, for some of these pitch pitch boards. They used uh, Tops artwork from the uh, the Tops cards and uh, they they used a a logo at the top that uh, just said Star Wars Galaxy on it the same logo or very similar to what is on the uh the top Star Wars Galaxy cards so they uh the original logos with the trilogy edition and uh then the, the logos they used the the Star Wars Galaxy ones talked about that and then uh seems like they, they transitioned over to the logo that's used on the Power of the Force 2 card backs that we're familiar with that uh, just said Star Wars, though. It did not have the, the Power of the Force logo at the bottom of it.
1: Mm-hmm. So Star Wars, um, the, the Star Wars that we know from, from the Power of the Force cards, the one that you're talking about, uh, it was done in Chrome. Uh, with the word star reflecting what looked like uh, an image of the blue sky, and then wars was reflecting the the kind of sandy horizon, uh, where it was kind of yellowish uh, or or brown toward the bottom. Um, Right. Okay, and then uh, I also saw a number of presentation boards uh, that said Star Wars Dark Forces. Can you explain those? Yeah, so uh,
0: that seems to be one of the uh, other... uh, other ideas that that they were going to uh, pitch for for figures and uh, vehicles and, and things like that. Um, there are a number of boards out there that have the Dark Forces logo from the the video game. Uh, and I'm not sure what time what year that video game came out.
1: I think it was ninety, somewhere around ninety four, ninety five. So okay. And when Hasbro was pitching these pieces to Lucasfilm, the way that they presented them, they had. Uh, certain indicators on the front of the boards that would let you know if it was uh, a hero or or a villain uh, at the time. Uh, can you give us a little insight into that?
0: Sure. So there was just a it was a horizontal image, and uh, the the hero ones seem to be like a uh, it looks like the the Millennium Falcon turned sideways, and it's uh, done in a kind of a faint yellow uh, kind of. A washed out kind of color looking um, and that was the the background for the the hero uh versions the the villains seem to have a different backdrop it was a uh a blue and red rectangular looking uh kind of uh backdrop mm-hmm. so the possibly it uh kind of resembles the the side of an uh of an a t a t to me yeah,
1: yeah. me too like or even cool. like an a t s t right right yeah so so, the way that it would look is you'd have either this yellow um what was originally a horizontal picture, but uh done vertically and as you said, washed out, and then a figure would be overlaid uh on top of it um or you'd have this red and blue background, and that would be the um you know the 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 villain's board um, I also noticed too, and I thought this was cool they would put either the the rebel symbol or the imperial symbol. On on each one too, uh, I guess for for quick reference, uh, especially because there were a number of characters and number of images that were not necessarily canon as far as the films, uh, and they were in, you know sometimes introducing new characters as well too. So it, it helped to see what uh, what side of of the battle uh, these characters were on.
0: Right, yeah, they pulled a lot of the the images for those characters from the the, the tops art and the, uh, the comic art, it seems. So mm. uh, some people didn't know, you know, this would yeah. uh, give them an indication as a, to, if they were, you know, a hero or a villain mm-hmm. or rebel or Sith. So. Uh,
1: I also thought it was interesting too, that some of these boards, they weren't even really character centric. Um, you know, some of the earliest ones, uh, they seemed more atmospheric. Yeah.
0: I've got a, uh, a board that was used in the original uh, uh, pitch meeting that has, uh, it's actually a double double board that's uh, taped together. And on one side, it's got four characters, uh, Tuscan Raider, Luke, Jawa, and R2-D2. And then on the, uh, the other board that uh, is taped to it has a, a horizon kind of picture. It looks like a, a Macquarie painting with withliance uh, Peter and uh, starkiller Luke uh, overlooking
1: uh, I guess what would be tatooine so mm-hmm wow oh, very cool it's a, it's a beautiful board um, and it's it's nice it, it makes sense now to see, because I for a long time I, I looked at them as um, kind of atmospheric or even like like blue sky you know images right to to um, to to I guess, for Hasbro to figure out what they wanted to do with the line. But going back to um, what the Hasbro employee said, uh, the quote that I mentioned earlier, is, you know, it seems like they were trying to really capture that feel of of the entire Star Wars universe, right? And and to show Lucasfilm that they not only understood the characters, but they understood everything that goes with it, you know, that they were actually part of that world. Right. Yeah, so you had mentioned to me when we had discussed this uh, earlier that you have um, have slides as well from the initial pitch presentation.
0: Uh, Yes, I've also got the the slide binder that has all the the slides of all the the presentation boards. And then they also had uh, these vintage vehicles with a, uh, a diorama that they had set up and took pictures of. Oh, wow. And when did they do this? Uh so the, these were all done the the slides were were created on June twenty second, June twenty-third of nineteen ninety four, which is why I say the, the pitch meeting probably happened uh July time frame of nineteen ninety-four, possibly early August.
1: Okay, yeah, wow. And it's it's great because um you know, I, I believe we're we're more fortunate to have the uh the amount of presentation boards that we do right from, from that era. Uh, whereas we have very few from the, the Kenner era, um, but these slides, in, in a way, help us to fill in the gaps. Um, right? I mean, your your slide collection is pretty extensive.
0: Oh yeah, it, it covers the the entire pitch meeting, so all of the 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 photos and of the presentation boards, everything that was was shown to uh, Lucasfilm and has both time.
1: I have slides for so. Uh, do you have a favorite slide or favorite image?
0: There's a, a slide of a, a presentation board that I don't have that uh, is actually the um, an early concept of what the packaging for the figures was going to look like. Uh, there's two different ones, and uh, both of them. the I guess the, the first figure that they were developing was Luke Skywalker, so it's uh, an early image of uh, the card back for Luke Skywalker. On these two presentation boards, mm. and then there's a uh, a non presentation board one uh, slide that's really my favorite piece. It's the, the ATST that they were uh, developing. They it looks like they took a a vintage ATST and added some kind of uh, rocket firing mechanism to the chin gun that uh, never seems to have uh, been produced.
1: And it, the the rocket or the the missile. On that uh, on that chin gun looks very similar to, uh, th- like the the one that came with the rocket firing fat. You know, it's that that red color and and kind of that dense plastic.
0: Right. Yeah. Obviously, uh, a little bit bigger than the, a rocket fat. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Rocket, but yeah. It is that that red color and kind of a dense
1: dense plastic. Okay. So Lucasfilm. Obviously, likes Hasbro's pitch, and they wind up signing with Hasbro uh, to create the the new action figures uh, of the '90s, going into the, the 2000s, and uh, Power of the Force Two begins. So, what what era are we looking at now? Yeah, the uh, original time
0: frame was 1995 to 1996 uh, for the Power of the Force Two. Uh, I guess. Kind of the, the relaunch of the Power of the Force. Um, but uh, there, there were originally nine figures that that uh, Hasbro came out with. Uh, like I mentioned, Luke was the the original figure that they had uh, pitched, so he was part of that first first wave, uh, along with Leia, uh, Han Solo, Chewbacca, uh, Obi Wan Kenobi, Darth Vader, Stormtrooper, R two D two, and C three PO.
1: Okay, and uh, I know I remember them being exceptionally popular at the time, uh, and and at times very hard to find. Uh, you know, going into the stores initially. Um, oh, yeah. So, what? So those presentation boards, I'm assuming, were part of the original pitch. You had mentioned that the tops card art. Um, so a lot of the so can can you tell us a little bit about what the the tops cards were? Because uh, I know that they came out before the figures were created. Um.
0: Yeah, so these, these Star Wars Galaxy uh, cards by by Topps came out, it seems, in uh, 1993. And uh, I guess Hasbro, as they didn't have uh, the access to the Lucasfilm Archive, it seems, at the time, to, to actually get photos of the, the original uh, props and uh, costumes and things like that, they used... Uh, for some reason, they used the the, the artwork from these Topps uh, Star Wars Galaxy cards to create these presentation boards. So mm-hmm. they would take a, a character image from one of these uh, Topps cards and uh, cut it out, blow it up, and uh, you know, glue it to these presentation boards. And it's it's all cartoon-type uh, 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 representations of the, the characters.
1: So watercolors, uh, oil paints, uh, and just regular sketches. Uh, yes. Okay. And um, so, for the original nine, were they were they all pretty similar uh, in the way that they were presented?
0: Uh, they were, uh, except for the you know the, the C-3PO and the R2D2, which used the uh, actual photos of the uh, the characters from the film. Hmm. Uh, all the ones with these top's art were. We're all, you know, had the the muscular uh, '90s uh, He-Man styling to him, So,
1: yeah, and it reminded me too uh, of the Jim Lee art from uh, from the, the comic book X-Men, uh, where all of the the. The guys and girls, you know, seem to be more broad-shouldered and uh, and very muscular up top, and then with the very s- slim, slender waist and then long, slender legs as well, um, where it almost looked like a, mit- a mismatch, you know, uh, from the-, the upper half of the body to the lower half. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's so funny. I mean, we're so far removed from it, but at the time that was the standard for a lot of what superheroes look like, what a lot of action figures look like, you know, that, that, even though he man really at the the time was, was, um, was no longer popular. Uh, and it's funny too, like they, when, um, I think it was Mattel, when they came out with, uh, the, the new he man again, I think that was around like the 89 or so, uh, maybe even a little earlier, um they had slimmed down he-man as you know where whereas like the the star wars line was starting to bulk up their figures
0: right and i actually have a uh, a description from the the original pitch meeting binder that uh, talks to i guess how they how they came up with these these images and uh, their ideas for these figures it says uh, color xeroxes From poster art, comic book art, and Topps Galaxy cards, inspired the new 90s uh, styling for Luke Skywalker and other figures. Uh, Same scale, but heroic proportions. More dynamic Uh muscular pose, articulated waist for better posability, and true-to-movie
1: weaponry. Wow. Did any of them have the articulated waist when they came out? They did. Okay. Interesting. Um... Okay, so you mentioned that Luke was the first figure. Um, can you tell us anything about the presentation board for for the Luke?
0: So the the Luke presentation board um, seems to have used a uh, like I mentioned a, a tops artwork or uh, something similar to uh, to that type of styling. Um, I've actually got the uh, one image from the sculpting input uh, for that same figure. And they used that same image of Luke uh, standing there, you know, flexing his muscles with his, his shirt open. And that's what they sculpted the original Pal the Force 2 Luke from, was that uh, that artwork image.
1: Yeah, and it's very strange to see because when you see Luke in the in the film, especially at that point, you know, where people refer to him as Luke Farm Boy. But in, in A New Hope, um, he's not he's not very big. He's not broad. Uh, his, his shirt is, is definitely not wide open, you know, where you see his chest. Uh, I, I think in the original image, right? Like the, the, um, f- for the figure, his chest is wide open and like, it literally goes down to his navel, you know, where it's exposed. And I mean, he just, you know, he looks more like a pirate or something at that point.
0: Right. You know, you see his, his pecs and part of his six pack and his, uh, <laughs> his neck muscles are bulging out there
1: and everything. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, I was even surprised too. I mean, um, you know, Chewbacca is a pretty, not, not, only really tall, but, but strong, uh, creature. And at the same time, like they, they did the exact same thing to his proportions, you know, where they, they made him for the tops artwork and for the pitch, um, where you can really see like his legs are, are smaller, but his, his, uh, arms and his, his chest are, are are much bigger. You know, he, he looks like a He-Man figure.
0: Oh yeah, he's massive. Mm. Um, and, uh, that original Luke uh, image that they sculpted from there, that actually ended up being an unreleased sculpt, so they have uh, there's hard copies out there with that uh, uh, his his shirt, you know, open like that, showing his uh, his muscles all the way down pretty much to his navel, and wow, then it so- uh, looks like they came back and re it afterwards to kind of make it a little
1: you know, less a little also. yeah yeah um it, it's it's funny that it made it that far you know where a lot of these images far exceeded uh you know the, the distance beyond on the pitch in some ways um well that's interesting though what you said about rtd2 and c3po that they they were um their images were, were pulled right from i guess the films right or, or from photos uh, around that, that time period, actual photos. Right. Yeah. So that's, mm-hmm.
0: that's what, uh, images used on both of those boards.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, is
1: there anything notable about the Han?
0: Um, so the, the Han Solo, uh, it uses one of those, uh, tops are, it seems like, uh, uh, images of him standing sideways with his, his, uh, blaster in his hand, kind of like he's, he's drawn it from his, uh, uh, from his holster, uh, almost kind of looks like a western. Uh, so he's standing there, got his got his hand on his blaster, and look, you know, slightly to the the side. And the actual sculpting input I've got for for that figure as well, uh, it has that same image. So the the Power of the Force Two was sculpted from from that uh, comic book or uh, Tops art uh, comic image. Wow. And the the figure looks looks exactly like that. He's you know he's got his uh, his left arm kind of extended, and his his right arm is uh, you know like he's uh, pulling his his blaster from his
1: holster. Hmm. That's interesting because you would think a lot of times that you know yes they're going by the the tops concept art or you know whatever images that they were using at the time, and you would think well you know to translate that probably a year later. Um, you know, to to work off the images that they had, there, there would be a noticeable difference between what they were originally pitching and then what you know Hasbro and Lucasfilm would come to an agreement on. And, and as you said, like for a lot of these, like even the Luke, um, the images of the Luke, they really didn't. There really wasn't much of a difference. Maybe they closed the front of his tunic a little bit, but otherwise, the figure was, you know, looked pretty much like it did in the original concept art
0: right yeah i mean a lot of these these comic images that that they used for the the pitch uh these these first initial nine figures they they all seem to be uh also used for the sculpting input so uh-huh. the uh these figures can actually be i guess traced back to the, the this top's artwork and uh whatever else they 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 got the the images from comic uh,
1: comic art and uh posters it says mm. yeah and um the stormtrooper i always found interesting because if you look at his body like his shoulders have a specific curve to them you know and, and i guess the whole figure it has a, a specific set of angles and curves and that was replicated right you know right down to the figure uh from the original artwork um right so of the original nine do any of the presentation boards exist?
0: Uh, of the original nine, it's it's possible that the Darth Vader presentation board exists. Uh, my my source that I got them from um, remember seeing uh, a Darth Vader board, but wasn't wasn't sure if it was the original one from the original
1: nine that were created. Right, because there were multiple. Pitches for the the Vader, right? I mean, through multiple boards for for um, for the, either the figures or just the character himself,
0: right? And I've got a, another board that has uh, four uh, four figures or four characters on the board as well, and it uses that same uh, same Darth Vader image from the original presentation board and that uh, the the first nine, but it's it's not one of the. The boards that we were, were used for the first nine figures.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that Vader image—it's—it's it's pretty imposing. I mean, it's just—it's this kind of menacing image where you know he's facing the viewer uh, and he's got you know his, his broad shoulders and his, his arms are stretched open and he, it, they take up the entire board, you know. And he's got this really kind of intimidating stance. Um, it's a really cool piece, and I, I hope it did survive. Um, okay, looking at the the next three, right? The next three figures. Those were key. They they made up the first 12. And uh they're are of course some of the more popular figures as well, too. So it was uh Boba Fett, Lando, and Luke X Wing. Um can you give us a little idea of of what those boards are like?
0: So yeah, those uh the Boba Fett image that they used uh, came directly from uh one of those uh Star Wars Galaxy Tops Art cards. Um I've got a a proof sheet that has the the card with it and he's he's standing there and uh the original tops art uh card had a, him standing next to dengar but uh for this one they they cut dengar out of it and he he's standing holding his blaster pointed at something or someone uh-huh. uh and then uh for the the lando uh it looks like the the power of the force 2 figure so they probably use that for the sculpting input as well is uh-huh. uh he's wearing a cape that's uh flowing out and holding his blaster and uh for the Luke X-wing though it seems like uh they must have used a different different image when they they produced it or produced the the figure from the uh the tops art but uh the the presentation board itself it it does use a, a tops uh, Star Wars Galaxy uh card art of uh, Luke climbing out of looks like a an X Wing. And uh he's got his 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 fist in the air, uh almost given like a thumbs up. And on the presentation board it looks like they they added a, a blaster to his hand to look like he's holding a a blaster pistol. Uh. So that was that was pretty pretty interesting how they modified uh,
1: that artwork. Yeah, each of those boards are really unique, and again, because tops aren't covered, so many different styles. Um, as you said, the the Lando looks like the Lando we not only remember from the films, but also, uh, you know, he's he's already sort of in that Power of the Force two style. You know, he's bulked up, but he but he looks very similar to the way we we remember him. Um, and then the Luke X wing, that image of him crouching or coming out of the uh, the X wing, it looks like a panel from a comic book page. You know, it's it's kind of inked and colored in that in that manner as well. Um and uh and the Boba Fett I thought was the, the most fascinating because out of all the the figures in that original 12, he's the only one whose art matches more of what we remember from the the Kenner line kind of those, you know, more slender, straightforward, slim down figures. Um, and in this one, I mean, the Boba was really colorful. He's green helmet and chest armor. Um, his sleeves and legs are, are blue. His forearms are red. He's wearing yellow gloves, orange knee pads, uh, an orange belt and his shoulder armor is, is orange as well. And then the boots are gray. So he's exceptionally colorful, but he's very, um, slender. And compared to the rest, he looks almost weak. Um, the, the also board... an
0: interesting note on the, the, the Boba Fett, uh... Design he's it he shows him with the, the dots on his hands for all the, the variation hunters out there when these <laughs> figures originally came out, they had the, the stripes on his
1: hands and then they switched over to the dots. So mm. very cool. So are are any of those boards, do you own any of those boards or do, do they exist? Uh,
0: I do not own any of those boards, but uh, my source for all of the, the boards that I did pick up said that he did remember seeing the, the Boba Fett board uh and it sold to, to somebody else so it should be out there
1: somewhere. Wow. So okay, so of the first twelve then, the only board that is confirmed as existing uh as the original pitch board was the Boba Fett. Correct. Huh. Okay. Wow. Um are these boards ones that you, you've been hunting?
0: Oh definitely. I mean will especially the the Boba Fett one. Uh, okay. If I could find any of the others, that would be be great. But having that that Boba Fett pitch board would would be uh, be perfect for my my run. So. Okay.
1: Well, if anyone has it or knows where it is, please contact Anthony Pagano. Uh, <laughs> <I> appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as I, as I was going through some of the boards, um, some of the other boards as well around this era, um, I noticed that a lot of the ones that were pitched actually made it into. The uh, Power of the Force line, especially the the early ones, um, and so I just wanted to kind of list a few that that I, I noticed. Uh, you had the the Dark Empire, Leia and Luke, um, the Biker Scout, which was actually closer to the the Boba Fett as being one of the more slim down figures, you know, using the, that that type of image. Um, the Gamorrean Guard. I don't. I don't. Do you own the uh, the board of the Gamorrean Guard?
0: I do not have that board. I've got the the photos and the slides from the the
1: pitch meeting, but I don't actually have the board. Okay. this one I thought was fascinating because, um, he was in a completely different outfit. Uh, it looks almost more like a Viking, um, you know, not wearing maybe as much armor, but he had that Viking like helmet and he, he had a sword with him. Uh, that's the, that's the image that they used when they pitched it. Um, there was the, uh, the IG 88 as well, which I thought was really cool. Um, are you you're familiar with the Darth Vader removal helmet one? Yes. So um, do you own any of those? Because I, I think there were three.
0: Uh, I do not have uh, any of those boards as well. But yeah, there were three, uh, according to the, the, the photos in the, the pitch meeting binder.
1: Yeah. Um, one where he's wearing, wearing the full helmet. Uh, another one, the top part of the helmet was removed. And then there was a third one where the helmet was completely off, you know, all in the exact same pose, uh, but I thought that's that would be a fascinating uh, series to have, you know, and to, and to frame up. I thought those are really beautiful.
0: Oh, yeah. They definitely are.
1: Mm. Great artwork on them. Uh, there's also one of the Imperial Sentinel, which I is really cool because it, it's based off of... Um, what was supposed to be the main villain from Kenner's 1985-1986's line extension. Um, The character's name is Atha Prime. And then instead, Hasbro repurposed that uh, to become the Imperial Sentinel. Um, Yeah, uh, There was also a Bosque, and the Bosque, I believe, seems to be the only one in which a photo was used, you know, a a non-droid character where they just used a a straight photo instead of the, the concept art or the, the tops card art.
0: Right. And I actually do have that, that presentation board. So Mm -hmm. is there anything on the back of it? Uh, yeah, it just says, uh, it's, it's almost like they used a, a chalk pen or, or or chalk to write on the back of it. And it just says, uh, Bosk and then bounty hunter.
1: Okay. And I think what what a, what does your typical board look like from the back with these power of the force 2 ones
0: uh typically it just has the the character's name uh maybe a a, a real short description like bounty hunter or or something like that uh mm-hmm. but it's they all seem to be done in the same handwriting uh so it makes me think that you know the same person created most of these boards and uh or at least went through and named them all mhm seemed okay. all that uh, since it's done on a black black uh board cardstock or whatever, I guess they uh they use this if it was some kind of a chalk pen or, or actual uh chalk. It doesn't really come off though, so it seems to be some some kind of a, an ink, but it's very uh chalk like
1: uh Yeah, I mean if you if you've ever seen one um from the back, like it, it looks like it was just freshly written. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Uh I'll just name a few more here. So uh the Han Trench, the Yoda, the Leia Bespin, Leia Bausch uh the Adat Driver, uh Dagobal Luke with Yoda in the backpack is an, is another one. These these are all uh, Im- uh images and boards that were pitched and that actually turned out to be characters in, in within that early uh run. Uh the Sand Trooper, the Slave Leia, Lando Skiff, and the TIE Pilot. Um so you know uh the some of those images are floating around online and, and they're really really cool to see um if anyone is looking to see images like that anthony do you have a do you have is there is there a site that they could go to or a facebook page um
0: they can go check out uh, my my facebook page that I, I kind of started for modern star wars prototypes and that's that's the, the name of it so if you'll uh, search for modern Star Wars prototypes. It should should pop up, and I have a uh, a section in there for, for presentation boards in the uh, the images gallery.
1: Mm. Yeah, and it's really helpful. It's really nice to to be able to see uh, both the front and the back uh, of of each of these. Yeah, and then um, within the the original pitch, uh, there were some some figures that never made it into production but that were really interesting uh and you said that they were in at the, the end of the binder
0: uh yeah they're they're towards the end there some of them are in the middle uh mm-hmm. but it seems like they were kind of pitching an idea for the deluxe figures that eventually came out uh it doesn't seem like any of these figures were ever released but uh this is uh, marketing and design fillers potential opportunity within the context of the storyline to increase the collectability of certain key characters. Uh, these figures would explore greater depth and styling and, uh, features and playability. Uh, so there's a, uh, a battle ready. Darth Vader, um, has, uh, key elements of, uh, helmet gloves and boots and iron lung device on his chest. Uh, uh, that he's wearing it's uh vacuum metalized armor and he's carrying a uh, a weapon that i guess fire would fire a projectile uh, there's also one for a a uh, luke Skywalker in jedi training suit uh, so it shows uh, a luke Skywalker in a you know a black outfit with with blue highlights and he's got a gold gold belt on and then it looks like i guess a an overlay which would have been uh apply it on the presentation board. It looks like a snap on uh type armor and weaponry and then a uh, a projectile launching uh I guess you know kind of uh rocket uh rocket firing uh mechanism that uh I don't know if it was gonna be a separate uh, separate weapon or if it if it was actually snapped onto the armor as well. Mm-hmm. But uh it's kind of a, a white armor with uh, gold trim for, for that Luke Skywalker. And then there's another one for a, uh, uh, looks like a, a storm trooper, but they're, they're called sky troopers. It says flying stormtroopers. Uh, imagine swarms of these sky troopers flying into battle armed to the hilt with high tech weaponry. And it's got a, it looks like, um, a side profile of a, uh, uh, a tie interceptor. Uh, it looks like that would be the wing that would attach to the figure's back, and the uh, the figure. You know, it kind of looks like a, uh, a scout trooper. Uh, black Under Armour with with white armor on top of it, and uh, the, a breathing apparatus, I guess, attached to the the face mask, and then a, a projectile on the uh, on his back, and then he's holding a, a gun as well. So this were kind of some of the uh,
1: deluxe, deluxe figure ideas that they had pitched. Yeah, and, and the battle-ready Darth Vader was really cool because the armor, the uh, parts of the armor were going to be in gold. And as you say, with the Luke Jedi, the, the armor that he would wear, even though he was dressed in all black, that the armor he would wear would be you know white with gold as well. And then you said before that the space trooper or the, um, the sky trooper, those wings were really, really neat because they have the same detail that the tie interceptor wings had, you know, and, and if you can picture like where, where they start off, uh, in, I guess in the middle of his back, then they would be pointing up. And, um, right. it just, it, those are all three really cool concepts that I think would have been really popular with, uh, with collectors and fans, uh, that, that never made it, you know, past the, the pitch phase.
0: Right. There was, uh, also one just, I guess it was going to be a, a basic, uh, figure, uh, the The character's name was Finhead Stonebone, and I believe that came from uh, some uh, some of the comics. Uh, on the back of the presentation board, I've actually got the board for this one. Uh, it used the the comic artwork uh, for the actual character image, and on the back of it, it says uh, Starjacker Tales of the Jedi. So, um. It had, originally from the, uh, the Pitch Meeting Binder, it had that Trilogy Edition logo on it, but uh, they n- never made the, the figure, obviously. And on my presentation board, it's the exact same one. It has the I've compared the images to the, uh, the images from the, the Pitch Binder, and uh, it, they, it looks like they, they just changed the, the logo at some point after they had uh, decided to use the, the Power of the Force logo. So they took that original Trilogy Edition logo off and then glued on a uh, Star Wars Power of the Force logo on top of it. So it looks like they had pitched that uh, thin-head Stonebone uh,
1: character as a figure several times at least. So, hmm. I don't know if the character would have been well-received. Um, to me, it, it reminds me of, uh, I think the character's name is Garendon. It that, right. um, that one from uh, A New Hope, uh, that was following uh, the group, and most icily, and where he has like that long gray snout. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know if Finhead Stonebone would have been a really popular Power of the Force two character. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> like why he never uh, never was realized? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, so moving on. Now we're looking at the era that is 1997 to 2000 for the Power of the Force two.
0: Yeah so uh looking at uh the 97 to 2000 era it seems like after uh after the the initial pitch and everything uh, uh Hasbro was awarded the the license from Lucasfilm to to create the the action figures and other toys so um they started using what seems to be uh Uh, images from the archives from the Lucasfilm archives in the in the presentation board uh, creation rather than these uh, tops uh, galaxy uh, card art and the uh, the the comic art and poster art that uh, they used for the the initial pitch meeting it seems Mm -hmm. Uh, they've got some some pretty cool uh Uh, images on on some of these boards with the uh the the creature's head uh the the prop the actual prop pictures of the uh the prop from the lucasfilm archives so they would take those pictures and cut them out and add them to these presentation boards so things like that look uh look really cool on some of these pieces uh some notable ones you know would be uh yak face uh has the the you know the entire creature's head sitting on a uh, what looks like a, a wooden platform in the Lucasfilm archives, and then there's one for uh, uh, Rees that uh, looks looks pretty cool. Uh, it, the the actual uh, mask is attached with with wires and things to uh, to a board in the what what seems to be the Lucasfilm archive. So they they took that image and cut it uh, cut it out from a, a photo and glued it onto one of these black presentation boards. It, it's pretty neat. Uh, that one on the back of it, it, it calls Ree's, uh Jabba's drinking buddy as the, uh,
1: <laughs> the, the description for the figure. So <laughs> they, they had some fun idea. with some of these. <laughs> yeah. And I would say that that's pretty apt. That's an apt description. So yeah, yeah. very nice.
0: Yeah, so so moving on, um, seems like Hasbro had uh, a lot of a lot of ideas in the works uh, back then from the uh, that that time frame. Uh, possibly even earlier, they had uh, some Dark Forces uh, boards from the, the video game. Uh, they had just screen captures, is what it seems, of characters and from that that video game. Uh, with a Dark Forces logo glued to the, the board, and uh, looks like they were going to carry that into the Expanded Universe line or subline. So they there's actually uh, um, one of the the ships with a uh, Expanded Universe logo uh, on a presentation board as well. And I've seen and it seems like a I believe it was a Celebration Three presentation that was given. Uh, there was a, a lot of information from whoever gave that presentation about uh, the expanded universe subline was supposed to have uh, been expanded quite a bit. Um, uh, another line from that that era that they were or subline that they were going to expand on. It seems like the uh, the flashback figures that were uh, created mm-hmm. with the uh, the episode one and the 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 prequel or the, the episode one. Uh, and then the, the original trilogy, uh, images that would flip back and forth. Uh, looks like they were going to have 16 different figures for that line or subline. So that was, uh, pretty, pretty cool to, to see on, on one of the boards. It uh, mentions that it was going to be number 16. And, uh, that was the, the key 12 board. And that, that board's actually really cool. The, uh, shows the uh an episode one uh concept uh rendering of this a line art drawing of what quito would have uh looked like uh for episode one and then for the uh, original trilogy I guess they used uh images from the Lucasfilm archive of the the Ketwal, uh head sculpt or uh the mask and uh shoulders uh from that. That figure, that or that uh, character that were used during the special edition, uh, for the uh, original trilogy, mm-hmm. and it on the back of the board it mentions that it was uh, number
1: sixteen in that that flashback photo series. So, do you know how many figures were actually released for the flashback line?
0: So, for the flashback uh, line, there were there were eight figures that were actually released. Um, and then according to those boards there, there were 16 of them that were proposed. So, uh, Key 12 was, was one of the, the eight that were unreleased. And I've actually got another board for, uh, a Han ceremony, uh, that was also, uh, scheduled to be in this, uh, flashback photo series. So that one's uh, really cool has a wow. Im- image of, of Han at the, the ceremony, uh, with his, his, uh, his metal on. And uh, also the the other image that would have been uh, uh, flashing back to episode one was for uh, Captain Typho. So, oh wow, interesting!
1: Very cool. Uh, it's a shame that they were never produced because I, I think they would have been very popular.
0: Yeah, especially that Han ceremony and uh, the Keytwall. It uh, it actually kind of made it far. I've seen uh, a photo of the the wax sculpt for for that Power of the Force two figure, mm. and uh, it was missing its head, unfortunately, which they may have used that for the uh, the Power of the Jedi figure that was eventually released, and the 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 Power of the Jedi uh, figure looks much different than what the Power of the Force two figure was going to look like. So yeah, uh, in addition to those uh, flashback photo figures that they were. Uh, going to continue on that line it looks like they also had a, a plan to do uh, some other things for the, the flashback series um, I've got a, another board that uh, has a product development schedule on it and um, according to that schedule it looks like they were going to have the, the flashback series uh, of figures and then they were going to actually have four flashback multi-packs and uh, three flashback pop-up dioramas and uh, that was all uh, being developed around the, the end of 1997, which uh, also on that same board, they talk about uh, the episode one figures. How they're going to uh, start start developing those uh, shows eighteen basic figures and one small figure, and that was in uh, November of 1997.
1: Wow. Okay. Um, I know from our discussions, you know, we we've talked about the episode one line, um, which was released in 1999 and ran. Through I think 2000, um, but uh, I, I didn't realize how early Hasbro actually started working on um, on, on toys for the film. Uh, you know, it seems to be as early as as 94, uh, 95, where uh, Lucasfilm was actually working on the film in tandem. Right. And I have here a quote from Robert Musco's "Behind the Toys" interview with a Hasbro employee. Uh, and he, uh, the employee said, uh, I was privileged enough to be on the team starting around 1994 to 1995 when we were gearing up for episode one and developing hundreds of concepts to pitch to Lucasfilm in order to secure their master toy license. I remember those times being fun but intense. Many ideas just flowed from the many talented people who worked on the line. My primary focus was character concepts, Jedi's, creatures, etc., along with a few vehicle concepts. It was such a massive effort to get all these things accomplished, and many times it felt as though you were flying by the seat of your pants. All kinds of ideas were shown. Alien Jedi, Jedi fighting techniques using hoverboards, Jedi gear, girls' product ideas, breadboard models for new speeder bikes, etc. Hundreds of concepts. Again, when you are flying by the seat of your pants, plus meeting the demands of a manufacturing schedule, you do so many things without thinking. It really becomes really reactive. So I I thought that was, I thought that was really interesting because, you know, again, um, they were, they were not only pitching around that time, uh, to be part, to, to gain the master license for, for Star Wars, but they were also, you know, whether it was as soon as they had gotten the, the, uh, the master license or even before it, if they were privy at all to any of the episode one stuff, I mean, they, they'd kind of hit the ground running and they were, they were really trying to come up with concepts and ideas, uh, to work with Lucasfilm, uh, which is just fascinating, fascinating way to, to to do it, you know, for a toy company,
0: right? And I've actually got some of those uh, concepts that were mentioned in uh, Rob Robert Musco's uh, uh, interview there with the, the Jedi on hoverboards, and uh, uh, he mentions a, a a photo of a or I guess a a, a, a rendering of uh, a character that looked a lot like General Grievous. Which which it does, but uh, it's some kind of uh, alien type thing. And so the the face looks a lot like General Grievous, and he's got a a, a double bladed lightsaber, but not like Darth Maul's. It actually uh, comes out uh, from, from from the same end uh, to two blades. There's there's one blade going going up, and then there's a another piece that's connected to the lightsaber that it extends out a little bit, and then uh, that. That saber shoots up as well, uh, so it's interesting take on a double bladed lightsaber. In uh, fact, from 1995, that image was uh, was uh, drawn. As yeah. as the, uh, the the Jedi on hoverboards was from 1995.
1: Wow! So, what do the earliest Episode One boards look like?
0: Uh, to my knowledge, from the the ones that I've I've received and have seen, uh, it appears that that they were sent possibly some of the uh, the Doug Chang artwork uh, that was created around 1995, uh, and it looks like an actual uh, storyboard. Each image uh, from a scene from episode one. Um, the the original the, the first image shows a, a space scene and uh, has, has uh, captions for Republic Cruiser and a Federation battleship. And it, uh, on the back of the board, it actually has a, a piece of paper that's taped to it. And written on the, uh, the paper is what it describes what, what is happening in the scene. And it says, as the camera pans down in classic Star Wars fashion, uh, the peaceful planet of, on Naboo is sur- uh, surrounded by the Federation battle fleet so it has uh that Doug chang artwork and it gives a i guess a brief synopsis of what the the scene was going to going to play out as and i've seen um probably 20 boards from that uh uh that all expand throughout the movie uh like i said in a storyboard fashion of what each of the scenes was going to going to play out as you know the the battle on Naboo and uh uh various other things. And then there's boards for certain characters. Like I've got a a C-3PO board uh, with the Doug Chang artwork, early artwork for uh, C-3PO.
1: Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorites. And, and uh, it's number 17. And on the back, it says, uh, in on what looks like lined paper, uh, it says on Tatooine, we meet a very mechanically inclined and gifted nine-year-old Anakin Skywalker, who is the creator of C-3PO. Uh, and just, you know, the, the, this, Partially finished silver droid uh, that we know to be C3PO up against that blue background is incredibly striking, uh, and I, I think it had to be somewhat inspiring for the people who were working on it as well, too. Yeah,
0: it, it, it's it's a great image, and like I said, it was made around 1995 as well.
1: Mm. So then, moving forward, um, what was that initial first collection? What did the boards look like for uh, for the for the first collection once they had actually, you know? had filmed the movie and, and started to know what these characters and, and scenarios and, and, um, and scenes would look like.
0: Well, I think they were still working on some of the CGI uh, for the movie at the time. Uh, some of those early episode one boards where they've actually started pitching certain character ideas. I've got uh, some of the pod racers uh, and it's real rough CGI for them. Um, it's a, almost looks like a, just an orange character, uh, computer-generated image, and uh, on the back of it, it, it says, uh, "you know, Podracer," and uh, some of them actually have the, the Podracer names. I think Odie Mandrell was one of the, uh, the the ones that I had as well. Um, yeah, an interesting note also on those those boards, uh, the early ones, uh, with the the rough images. It, the it looks like the episode one logo hadn't been final. Yet, um, so there's no no starburst uh, with the the gold Star Wars and Episode One in white below it on these uh, original uh, or the early presentation boards. It just says uh, Star Wars and it's uh, kind of a, a washed out gold uh, Star Wars logo, and then it's got a a red uh, dot behind it, a red red circle, and then around that is a a gold uh, gold ring. So it's an early un- unused uh, episode one logo, and most of those uh, early episode one presentation boards had that that logo. And they they also used uh, some line art concept uh, image, uh, like the the Captain Tarple's presentation board has a uh, an early rendering of what uh, the Gungans were going to look like, and uh, Captain Tarples is done in. This this line art, uh, early,
1: early styling. And it's much different than the way he actually turned out. And it's so funny. I, I've never really thought much about the process, especially for episode one. And I just figured they worked on the movie, and then once they had the movie established, then they had started to prepare the figures. I didn't realize that Hasbro was literally working alongside of them for, for years going into it. And were basically taking whatever was coming out of Lucasfilm and whatever was coming out of the, um, the conceptualizers, the designers, the, uh, the actual shoots themselves, um, and just using whatever was, was in front of them at the time to progress the, the toy line. One of the things I've noticed uh, when you had sent me some pictures of the boards and through my own research is um, that the boards were really split up for the for the collection one um, in, into two groups. Uh, the first, the boards were ones that displayed moments, scenes, or groups of characters instead of just a specific character. Right, so you'd have uh, one that was labeled "Ground Battle," which was the, the droid army. Uh, another one was just labeled pods and it was uh, the pod racing um, scene, but from Anakin's ship's perspective. Uh, And then you had something like, you know, humans and aliens, which were characters from Watto's box. Uh, There was a Reese type of figure as well. And I think Warwick Davis who was in costume. Um, And so you had, you had those display moments and then you had other boards that contained a single large image with no text, and each one would focus on a specific character. So you would have one for Darth Maul, one for Darth Sidious, uh, another for Darth Sidious in hologram form, uh, another one for Anakin Skywalker as a young boy, Jar Jar Binks, uh, and then ones for tertiary characters like Massa and Sio Bibble. Right. So, so that wraps up most of Collection 1, that, that first release of figures that we had gotten in stores around the time of the, the film, you know, in, in 1999, and then going into 2000, um, we entered into a new phase of, of characters, new releases uh, through their Collection 2 series for Episode 1 figures. Um, Anthony, I know you you mentioned you have a really, really cool board uh, that explains some of what the, the, uh, the plan was uh, for releases. Uh, so if you could explain a little bit about uh, that that particular board. Sure. So uh, I've got a,
0: a board for the collection two uh, figures, which uh, on the, the the front of the board it has a, a, a photo of uh, Darth Sidious, a, a hologram Darth Sidious, and then a Naboo Royal Guard and exploding destroyer droid. And uh, on the back of it, uh, it it actually has, I guess it was a uh, part of a. Possibly a presentation or a memo, internal memo or something like that. Uh, it's it's cut up a little bit, but they they uh, uh, increase the size of, of the font on it and uh, just taped this this paper to the the back of it. And it says the the figures are broken up into three assortments. Uh, collection one is core characters, so we've got uh, the soft goods, removable cloak, Darth Maul, uh, soft goods, pull down. Uh, uh, hood and reveal identity uh, Obi Wan Kenobi, and then the Anakin Skywalker pilot. And then for collection two, which is what this board was originally for, uh, it's it's highlighted with uh, uh, a yellow highlighter. Uh, this collection two section it says collection two uh, secondary characters, holograms of figures seen through Episode one. So it has Darth Darth Sidious hologram figure, uh, Naboo Royal Guard, and the exploding uh, destroyer droid. And then for Collection 3, it talks to uh, background characters. So Gungan Warrior, the VAC-Metalized TC-14, and it says Astromech Droid, which I assume is the uh, R2-B1 that was released. And then uh, a a really interesting note here, it uh, has an asterisk, and it says, All figures come with our new expanded chip. So uh, this goes into the unproduced ComTech Version 2 chips that were uh, eventually canceled.
1: And so now as, as we kind of turn the corner uh, into the new century and, and uh, leave episode one behind and go into the, the the new line, which is power of the Jedi uh, and ran from 2000 to 2001. Um, there, there's a substantial drop off in the amount of presentation boards that we actually see as, as collectors. Um, and, uh, one of the ones that you had mentioned to me uh, in an earlier discussion was um, one around uh, the concept for the card back for this new line.
0: Yeah, going back to that, uh, those mockups for the the TC fourteen and R two B one, I mentioned they were on a early uh, Power of the Jedi kind of card back, and uh, it seems like this this presentation board was an earlier rendition of of that card back, and uh, these were actually shown. Uh, those mockups were shown at uh, Toy Fair, I believe, that year. So, uh, this presentation board would have come, you know, been before that that Toy Fair display. And what
1: does the card back look like?
0: So yeah, the the presentation board it's uh, it's it's got a, an early rendition of that Power of the Jedi card, and uh, it's got the uh, kind of like the, the Episode One Red Starburst. This is actually a, a Green Starburst. And it has uh, Star Wars and gold on it, and uh, there's a, a faint image uh, towards the, the upper left of, of Darth Vader, but it's uh, it's line artwork. And then there's a line artwork uh, image over the Vader of what, what seems to be a young Obi Wan with his uh, his lightsaber. And this is all black and white line art. And then it's got the like I mentioned the the green starburst uh, logo towards the, uh, the center and bottom
1: of the card back. So it's funny, other than that presentation board for the card back and maybe a handful of others, um, there, there really doesn't seem to be too much, uh, as far as presentation boards out there, Im- images of presentation boards for that line, uh, for the Power of the Jedi line, uh, and especially in the hands of collectors. A few of the notable boards that I've seen came from the summer of 2001 in the Power of the Jedi tour. Uh, And and here's a quick description of that tour. During the summer of 2001, Hasbro unveiled its upcoming releases of figures and vehicles for the Power of the Jedi line with a packed booth and a presentation. Hasbro spotlighted the line at three major events, the Sci-Fi Expo in Shreveport, Illinois in June... San Diego Comic-Con in July, and at Chicago's Wizard World in August. One of the highlights of Hasbro's Power of the Jedi tour was the reveal of its two fan's choice figures. Three presentation boards were displayed for each figure and showed the conceptual designs and the toy's process. The first was Ellers matic a patron of the Cantina in A New Hope, Board number one showed a picture of the figure in the cantina, with a reddish-orange triangular sign pointing down that read, Fan's Choice Figure Number 1. Board two contained two conceptual images of the figure's face and upper body on one half, and what appeared to be the sculpting input drawing on the other half, with a large black and white image of the figure. The final presentation board, board number three, displayed the wax sculpt of the Doros figure appearing over a black negative of the sculpting input drawing on the left side of the board. On the right, the hand painted hard copy stood in front of the positive image of the sculpting input. The second fans choice figure was a man a creature from Jabba's Palace who was first released in action figure form in the nineteen eighty four Power of the Force line. Board number one was a presentation board split into two halves. The first half showed the concept maquette of Amanaman and Salacious Crumb. The second half of the board contained black and white images of the making and sculpting of the figure. Board number two also consisted of two halves. The first half on the left had a large image of the wax sculpt for the Power of the Jedi Man figure. In the upper background of the frame was the image of the exploded view of the sculpt, in which all of the pieces are separated to demonstrate how they connect to form the figure. The second half presented what appears to be the hand painted hard copy, with salacious crumb in the background with the words coming soon in a power of the Jedi themed banner over the figure's head. A man a man is holding his staff in one hand and the skeleton accessory in the other. Board number three displayed an image of a man man with salacious crumb on his head, and was likely from Return of the Jedi. Above them was a reddish-orange triangular sign pointing down that read, Fan's Choice Figure Number Two. Also during Hasbro's presentation of upcoming products at its booth, the company included three presentation boards on the wall over its display of new vehicle releases. The boards focused on the TIE Bomber and showed various stages of production for the toy. So those, those seem to be some of the main boards that we know of from Power of the Jedi. Uh, were there any other ones that, um, that you've seen uh, or would like to discuss? Um,
0: there, there may be some out there, but uh, not to my knowledge. I haven't seen any, anything really for Power of the Jedi other than those ones that were uh, shown.
1: Why do you think the boards disappeared around the Power of the Jedi era? Because we haven't seen anything else from any of the other lines, right? Yeah, it seems
0: as uh, technology has has uh, gotten better. They you know, Hasbro has switched over uh, from doing these presentation boards. They've kind of moved away from them, uh, and they actually pitch the their ideas uh, digitally now. Uh, so they'll they'll create a, a digital rendering. Uh, using one of their their applications and uh, either print it to to PDF and and send it out uh, encrypted for for people to to review or uh, possibly you know actually print it out as a, a hard copy from these digital files and uh, maybe they use the these uh, printed out hard copies uh, uh, on on the paper as a uh, as a way to. Pre- present these if they're in a in a meeting or something,
1: so what you're saying is the days of slapping an image onto you know a foam core board and and using that as as uh, the visual element to your pitch is long over
0: yeah un- unfortunately uh like 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 many things with the uh the process of how these these figures are created uh it seems like this this step is is now kind of, uh, morphed into, to doing it all digitally now.
1: Yeah. Oh, it makes sense. Certainly makes sense. Well, Anthony, thank you so much uh, for taking the time out and for also for, for sharing your, your knowledge on presentation boards, um, having these discussions with you, um, over the past few weeks and, and, you know, doing the research and looking into it and basically trying to figure out some sort of timeline, um, and, and to see what's out there has just been really eye-opening. Uh, it's been really enjoyable. So thank you so much.
0: Yeah, man, definitely. It's been been a great time. Uh, thanks for having me on the, the show again, and uh, look forward to possibly having
1: some some future uh, chats with you here. Yeah, and I have to tell you, I just I've never fully appreciated the presentation boards until we did this and, and had this this conversation, and I'm really amazed at the uh, the amount of boards that are out there um but also the the designs behind them and and the fact that Hasbro was using them so early i mean the, these are really some of the earliest iterations that we have of of the idea of a toy in the modern era um and, uh, you know, the, the fact is you've brought so many of them to light. I know that you have uh, sold a number of them over the years and, and have put them in the hands of other collectors who have really appreciated them. And uh, for me, I mean, just in speaking with you over these years, it's given me such an appreciation that I, I've never really had for them. Uh, and so, again, I, I thank you for all of that. Yeah,
0: I mean, these are these are pretty much the, the first uh, first. You know, phase of of pre-production for for a lot of things. You know, I, that uh, that a collector could could possibly end up with. You know, barring somebody drew a drew an image on a cocktail napkin or something like that, and said, "Hey, we'll we'll pitch this <laughs> as an idea for a character."
1: Yeah. But yeah, I don't think people realize how crucial they were to to starting that that process. You know, in creating. Uh, a toy based on the characters that we know and love and, and some that we, we don't know um, or weren't familiar with at the time. But um, you know, the prices are, are, I would say pretty cheap uh, for really what they are, you know, that where they, they precede the, um, the sculpts even, you know, and, and, and some of the, the input line drawings that, you know, people have started to collect. And, and I, I think these are really going to become very popular and very collectible uh, over the next few years, uh, and and you know they are larger boards, but at the same time they're very easy to display on on a wall or in a in a glass display, and um and they really pop. I mean, some of them are just incredible looking. So thank you for opening my eyes, and uh and and again for for you know taking time out to uh, to discuss these and and to share the information that you've just gained over the years.
0: Yeah, you're welcome, and uh, th- thanks again for having me. Sir.
1: Okay, and I I will see you. Probably on the next episode of Collecting Prototypes.
0: Sounds great, man.